Hello and welcome back to another episode here on the Promethean Perspective. I'm your host Emily and I'm so thrilled that you are joining me for another episode on the Promethean Perspective. Today I'm going to share my perspective with you guys about, essentially, identifying two things that are necessary for treating scripture according to Augustine. We're going to explain why love is the ultimate meaning of the Bible. We're also going to discuss the role and the importance of cheerfulness in in the evangelical realm. We're also just going to discuss why salvation history is necessary for catechesis and also why any goal um, of presentation of salvation history is unique to Augustine's approach because we're going to be talking a lot about Augustine in this episode in case you can't tell, but a few key words just to look out for would be like love, cheerfulness, discouragement, also catechesis. I know if you're not Catholic, you may not be familiar with that word, so we're going to dive into that. We're also going to be talking about the incarnation and then just a few other words like um, empathy, salvation history, historical exposition, um, also like precepts, exhortations, and I guess like turning points therein. So if you guys want to follow along with where we're going in this lecture, um, I recommend grabbing your Bible and uh, let's, let's dive into this, shall we? If we begin by looking at some of Augustine's writings, he is, for those of you that aren't aware, he is like one of the most highly esteemed church fathers of the Catholic faith. Um, he wrote a lot about his own personal conversion, he, one of his most famous books um, known as Confessions extremely popular, extremely deep theological thoughts that he shared actually rather later in his life because that's when he became a follower of Christ. Um, So he has a book on Christian teaching and in that book he writes, um, there are two things necessary for the treatment of scripture, a way of discovering those things which are to be understood and a way of passing on what we have understood. So in other words, Augustine is saying here that we need to know how to approach scripture and the reason why I wanted to do this episode is because it's important how we are teaching scripture, but first and foremost, it's important how we are approaching scripture because we're teaching ourselves. And this episode is going to deal primarily with the first part of that statement of learning how to read scripture in a proper theological way. But I also think it's important to spend just a moment considering the second part of how we are teaching it. Um, Augustine had a lot to say about the treatment of scriptures. He would often elaborate the fact that scripture requires both learning and also teaching, approaching, teaching, the evangelical fullness of how we are approaching scripture. That scripture needed to be fully treated um, in such a way that was proper to its dignity so that it could be passed on in a dignified manner. So I guess those listening to this will probably more than likely, one day be in the position of passing on the faith. If you are a Catholic, you have this responsibility as a baptized Christian, as a confirmed Catholic, as a member of the body of Christ. You have that responsibility to pass on the faith. Whether we are aspiring to be priests, deacons, um, or parents, teachers, religious, lay Christian faithful, we are all faced with the challenge the responsibility of articulating what we believe and of teaching others the truth of scripture. So in this episode, um, but also in the next, we're going to be delving into how to be devoted to two specific related aspects of this endeavor. So in this episode, we will think through how to intellectually, um, but also like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
I guess, like, intellectually, but also, like, spiritually summarize the context of the Bible because the Bible is a love story that can't just be analyzed intellectually. It has to be felt and understood and embraced in kind of a um, loving way that we are called to participate in the story of, of Scripture. So in this episode, we will discuss some of the challenges that teachers face when they try to pass on the story of Scripture. And in this episode and the next, we're going to be basing our discussion primarily off Augustine's book, Instructing Beginners in Faith. So... I guess where we should begin is actually at the end. Now, what I mean by this is we need to begin with love. But love is the end towards which we are working. To treat scripture, we must know how to read it. We must know how to teach it. And for this reason, um, we are charged with a twofold task of love. Because love is the ultimate meaning of scripture. And Augustine even says, like, the plenitude... And the end of the law of all sacred scripture is the love of a being which is to be enjoyed and of a being that can share that enjoyment with us. So essentially, like the whole purpose of scripture is to lead us to love God and neighbor. Now, this duplicity of love is the ultimate reason God reveals himself, the reason why Christ comes to us again and again at every sacred sacrifice of the mass and and the reason why we even were gifted the scriptures at all. Augustine directly reveals to us that we love our neighbor by willing for him what we would will for ourselves, which is namely eternal life. We may have a lot of ideas of what we want for ourselves, but what we truly desire for ourselves is eternal happiness, eternal peace, eternal rest in God. So we want to imitate and also imitate the union that the Father has to the Son We want that intimate union with God for ourselves. And so we should want this for our neighbor as well. Now, scripture teaches about this and and encourages this discussion, this conversation. And it points us to how to achieve such a notion. So once we learn what truth the Bible teaches, what it holds, we are charged with the responsibility to pass it on to others. We learn love from the Bible And that love can only compel us to share the good news with others. Augustine gives a beautiful demonstration of this very principle. Deo Gracias, a deacon um, who was in northern, in a North African church, actually wrote to Augustine at one point, and he asked him for advice about how to how to teach scripture and how to deal with the discouragement he felt about his own teaching position. And Augustine, who clearly (laughs) was very busy with the lifestyle he had um, and didn't really have a whole lot of time to devote to, I guess you could say, side projects, um, he decided to devote special attention to Deo Gracia's letter. And he he wrote a lengthy, moving reply. And, And I would like to share it with you here. And he says, For my part, I have a debt of love and service, not only to you personally, but also to Mother Church as a whole. If then by means of any support I can provide as a result of our Lord's generosity, the same Lord commands me to help those whom he has made my brothers. I am obliged to show not the slightest sign of refusal, but rather take up the task with keenness and dedication. So here, Augustine is talking about a debt of love and service to not only the church, but to his neighbor, to his friend. He is under obedience to God to love his neighbor. And Augustine has received love from God from the church from his friend and he desires to love in return out of gratitude so Augustine here 
as we see, has been given many gifts from God. He desires to share them. And the same is true in our own lives. We've been given many gifts. Are we going to desire to share them? Are we, are we seeking that desire? Are we looking for ways to share those gifts with people? Augustine has been commanded to love and he wants to obey. And, and that love is what compels Augustine to help his friends and to try to benefit the church as a whole. And so this virtue of love, this is the example of how love motivates response and then permeates the response therein. Okay, so what we're seeing here is that Augustine shows his love in the cheerful tone with which he writes his letter. And his teachings on cheerfulness is actually very important. We often think of cheerfulness, I think, as like an accident or um, just like a personality trait that people have from birth. And we can think that some are cheerful uh, because they are have currently pleasant circumstances or because they are born with, you know, a, a certain temperament. But for Augustine, he delves into cheerfulness as a matter of habit and grace. And it's a disposition that a Christian is actually obliged to cultivate through the help of God. So being cheerful may not seem all that important to us, but Augustine thinks it's essential for teaching effectively. And our greatest concern, as he points out, is not how to summarize the formidable context of the Bible, but how to make it possible for those who offer instruction and faith to do so with joy. For the more they succeed in this, the more appealing they will be. And by cultivating cheerfulness, we as Christians actually are able to experience delight when we teach, art, when we teach, but also like when our teaching improves and our words and ideas are able to flow smoothly from a place of freedom. And when this happens, our teaching is actually far more pleasing to the listener and the listener is able to learn better. So to teach or to spread the gospel, it is crucial that we cultivate cheerfulness because cheerfulness is a disposition that we can cultivate in the face of discouragement. And like Augustine even lists like various possible card causes, like which we are going to discuss. But like, I think it's important to first like reflect genuinely on what it means to be discouraged because at the root of the word discourage is courage which is actually related to latin word core which means heart so be to be discouraged then is to be deprived of courage to have something in your heart taken away more poignantly to be deprived of your heart as we say to lose heart or maybe like disheartened so courage is either something in your heart or your heart itself that stands firm in the face of adversity in in this case moral or even spiritual adversity so what augustine provides in his letter to deogratius is encouragement the putting of something into the heart a revival so as to make it strong enough to face the struggles that he has to confront so for each cause of discouragement there's always ways to cultivate cheerfulness in our case whatever the case may look like um there's always reasons to look for harmony with god which will relieve the feeling of discouragement in our lives. And then from there, we can greatly rejoice in the power of the Holy Spirit and take delight in the achievement of good works for God's glory. And there are lots of things that we can do to relieve the feeling of discouragement, things that are um, in harmony with God's will often offer ways to relieve ourselves from discouragement. And by doing these things, we open up certain avenues for the Holy Spirit to flow through us. And then we can delight in the good work that we do, which we only do through God's grace. So through a combination of God's goodness, self-knowledge, but also like I think 
um, preparation, free will, choice, they play large parts in that, um, we are able to thoroughly train our hearts in cheerfulness. Now, this whole dialogue about cheerfulness, it seems to a lot of people to like cancel out there ever being um, such a thing as discouragement. Now, there is a thing as discouragement. It can be discouraging to know hard truths sometimes, discouraging to know that we are fallen in our human nature and that we can be hurt and we can hurt others. But it's also important to know that there are remedies. So for each cause of discouragement, there's a remedy which is in harmony with God's will. And, and such a remedy is meant to counter the effects of discouragement and open one's heart again to the inspiration and promptings of God. So we're actually going to go through six primary causes and remedies that um, I, that Augustine proposes in his book. So the first cause is what Augustine describes as like the contrast between thought and between um, like speech. So this is a common theme um, that may sound rather foreign to us, but it was very common in Augustine's writings. And he says that essentially we might feel discouraged because we are we are compelled to come down as it were from the pinnacles of thought and delay over each syllable in the plains far below. So if we reflect on this, you can probably all relate to this experience where you've had like a flash or an insight or a really good idea that you had trouble putting into words. This is exactly what Augustine is delving into. He's sharing that he and Deo Gracia see the truth, the beauty of the things of God, but not only find it difficult to put into words, but into words that others can understand and has a remedy for such a discouragement. Augustine says that we should meditate on the incarnation by proposing this remedy. Augustine is actually doing three things. He's putting the humility of God before us. Christ, who is God, did not grasp the equality with God, but, but, but emptied himself and took the form of a slave. It's from scripture. And we should imitate Christ's humility in lowering ourselves to work with others. But secondly, he's offering a subtle theological insight, okay? Jesus Christ, who is incarnation, the eternal word, became a temporal man for our sake. So too does our insight need to take on temporal words for the sake of other souls. There is an analogy between Christ's incarnation, but also our ability to speak in both the non-temporal word, which becomes flesh. But lastly, Augustine says that overcoming our discouragement to instruct beginners leads to a quote, good conscience. So he says that we should find delight in following um, insight in the ways of love. The more that love goes down in a spirit of service into the ranks of the lowly people, the more surely it rediscovers the quiet that is within when it when a good conscience testifies that it seeks nothing of those to whom it goes down other than their eternal salvation. So by imitating the incarnation, we love as God loves. We are achieving the goal of scripture, which is to love God and love neighbor. Now, the second cause of discouragement, which Augustine discusses, is the experience of knowing that better materials are available for one's own presentation. Now, I really think this is a common experience that a lot of Catholic catechesis can relate to, where we often prefer to put on a, like a video catechesis of like uh, Father Barron or, or Jeff Caven or Father Mike Smith, any of these kind of presentations that offer a broad theological spectrum, because we feel disinclined to try to fit our own words to the actual circumstances given that we do not know beforehand what the outcome will be so it's it's difficult and risky to try to adapt what we've learned to a new audience sometimes we feel like we understand a concept enough but we aren't comfortable if we can with with putting it into intelligible words for others to grasp and we can be really afraid that 
we will teach the wrong thing or lead someone astray into heresy or something of that nature by accident. Or we might be afraid of offending our listeners or judgment. For example, we have to share the church's teachings on a controversial issue such as divorce, um, same-sex marriage, abortion, any of these kind of topics that I guess are really prevalent in today's society um, that we receive a lot of judgment or backlash for. And so it can be hard from that perspective to speak the truth and the validity of the Gospels. But in response to this, Augustine takes the stance that we should love God and just simply allow him to speak through us. That we as Christians are called to trust in God's goodness and that elicits our response to his love. And, and the Lord knows who are his own, as he indicates in Second Timothy. So Augustine cuts right to the heart of the matter here when he says, with these thoughts in mind, calling upon the Lord to come into our heart would be less fearful of the unpredictable reactions of our hearers, which makes us feel uncertain about the effectiveness of our address. We will be even glad to endure troubles for the sake of our work of mercy, if it is not by our own glory that we seek there. For work is truly good only when the will of the one who performs it is stuck and struck with the shaft of love. And in returning, as it were, to its proper place, the will comes to rest again in love. Beautiful, beautiful analogy here. So if we know that God is steadfast, then why are we afraid of changing opinions? If we are seeking the listener's good and not our own glory, then we cannot, will not, won't be disturbed if we are not perfectly eloquent in our relaying of truth, in our relaying of beautiful conversations. And and I'll be completely honest, in starting this podcast, this was a challenge for me. I had to really decide if I was doing this for my glory or for the listener's good because if I was doing this for my glory, I would have never started it because I am not an eloquent speaker. I just don't have that eloquent kind of characteristic to my voice. And so this was kind of a challenge for me. But in reading Augustine's work here and understanding what he was saying about how if we are doing things for our own glory, then absolutely we're going to be held back because we want to glorify ourselves in the best way as possible. So why would we present ourselves with all of our imperfections? It doesn't make sense. But if we are doing a good thing for a listener's, for a, a, a pupil's, for a student's good, then <laughs> we won't even have fear of the changing opinions of others because we will simply know that God is steadfast. And if we want to be integrated humans and serve God as he deserves, then we simply need to acknowledge that we need God's help. We need God to come into our hearts, transform it. And Augustine uses this beautiful image of our hearts pierced by the arrows of God's love because only then will our heart be right, because only then will our hearts be resting in God instead of resting in any other thing which we know cannot satisfy. Now, the third cause of discouragement is the boredom that comes through long familiar with subject matter. Um, this can happen due to um, a lengthy profession where we have to present the same um, generic material on a regular basis. Now, Augustine's remedy to this problem is quite beautiful. He says that we should have, essentially, this is what he says, is that we should have, like, empathy towards our listener. We should, like, experience with him or her, which which is what empathy means feel with so if we feel with them then we will feel and experience what they feel and experience and our love draws us close to them and from there we can experience what they experience so that our old familiar teachings are seen through a fresh and new new lens so i i had a similar um 
experience, I guess, relayed to me through a story of a professor who had bought a house and they were so excited about all its nice features. But now after they lived there for like a year or something, it became familiar and it's nice, but it's not like exciting anymore. But then a new friend came over to this professor's house and started admiring, you know, some of the features of the house that had once excited the professor. So once this friend started admiring certain things about the house, my professor saw the house as she used to. And, and then she was able to see like the house come alive again in a certain sense. Now that's a really kind of silly example, but I think it, it points to what we're saying here is that get some fresh perspective. It doesn't have to be like bold and like new and fresh. Like it can be a story that you've heard a thousand times but that someone relates to you in different words, in a different way, in a different environment. And our words, even though are familiar to us, are new to listeners. So when we are moved by our words, or I guess when listeners are moved by our words, we are moved by their being moved. Our words stir them, and somehow that can redound back to us so that we can actually hear what they hear and see what they see. And it's as though we can learn things alongside with them even though we're teaching. So even though we have gone over material a dozen times, we've read the same scripture a thousand times, it seems it can be fresh because when fresh ears hear it, and loving, loving, by loving our students in the faith, we gain fresh insight. And then we are able to delight in teaching again. Love, the love of our students, of our friends, that is what gives rise to cheerfulness. Now, the fourth cause of discouragement is passivity. Augustine says that the first thing to do is try to discern why the listener is not responding. There are many different possibilities for why someone might be silent and different um, remedies are suitable for each situation. So, for example, there might be someone who's passive because uh, they're naturally shy. And if this is the case, friendliness is the remedy. But you might have another person who may not grasp what's being said. They may be stumped or may not understand. So... To solve this dilemma, one should ask questions to allow, I guess, an open forum for the listener to feel the freedom to ask questions. So maybe the student is already familiar with subject matter, in which case the teacher should ask him what he knows. Now, focus on the essentials. It's especially important to focus on the un unity of the church, um, temptations and how to combat them, Christian way of life, and also like the reality of final judgment. So if like you find there's someone in your teaching forum who is yawning, then offer them a seat or tell a joke or a good story. Like, take inventory. Don't be turned off by the passivity of our human nature. Like, as a teacher, we have to try. We have to work, okay? Now, the fifth cause of discouragement is the experience of wanting to do something else and being called away to teach. So, I think we've all had this experience in some way or another, um... I think this is particularly relatable to maybe like the mom who now is a, like a stay-at-home mom with small children. They have something important to do for work or even something maybe enjoyable they'd like to do. But at the same time, they have to attend to an obligatory task. And this can lead to grumpiness, which, you know, doesn't exactly help in our presentations to others of teaching them. So our response to this would be to always strive to act with compassion and pure love. Um, when we find ourselves complaining and upset and grumpy, that's all just evidence of an inward focus of thinking of ourselves, of our own sufferings, of our own misfortunes, but compassion causes us to suffer with another 
and we should try to turn our attention to whomever is seeking our instruction. Secondly, I'd like to also point out that although we think we are maybe be pulled away from something more important, which we do not always know what is best for us, so we don't know for sure. So which tasks might benefit from continuing to work on and which we might be better to interrupt or abandon altogether, we don't actually even 100% know. So the layers of human self-deceit and self-will are absolutely endless, but God's way are not our ways. So we must learn um, so as not to be broken. We must bend to a higher authority, to a higher will, so that we are not bend, we are not bent and broken. So, I guess, as Augustine concludes, like the schedule that God has preferred to our own should be our, to should be, like the one to which we adhere. For it is right, after all, that we should like follow His will rather than ours. So, like, I guess moving to the sixth cause of discouragement, I think this one's pretty prevalent in the church today. Um, it's it's grief over scandal. Now, this causes turmoil in souls on personal levels, for sure, and many find that they cannot speak calmly or pleasantly or mercifully, and it leads to temptation to take out anger on the listener and to show a certain amount of displeasure in his presence or her her presence. So, I think this is a fairly regular experience um, at school, at work, when certain meetings, discussions will turn turn angry and and hostile. and I think Augustine's remedy to this is, is quite prevalent. So it's a matter of perspective. The fact that someone wants to learn about the faith and become a Christian should be a celebration for us. It should console us and uplift us and strengthen us as a body of Christ as a whole, especially, um, especially in today's day and age that needs to be uplifted. It needs to be upheld um, because scandal involves, like a scandal in the church involves a Christian not acting like a Christian. And so then a, a new Christian coming into the church to remind us of God's infinite mercy of continuing to draw people to himself, to truth. So we can use the occasion to instruct um, a newcomer, instruct a student about, about nominal Christians and to warn him or her to avoid bad example, to use critical thinking and natural law, divine law, civil laws, human laws, and, and to pay attention to the powers of the soul, of the rascal appetite, concupiscible appetite, you know, the intellect and the will, and to apply all of those. It's possible, though, um, that perhaps we've done something shameful and, and the pain of that sin is still with us when we have to teach. Augustine encourages us to seize the opportunity to perform a work of mercy. Do not do not let yourself be enslaved by the, by the feeling of despair, but run to the fountain of God's mercy and do the good that he puts before us. Because by doing so, we work both for the salvation's of ourselves and for the newcomer. So to end on a, I guess, cheerful note, <laughs> I just want to reemphasize the Christian ideal that, or the cheerfulness ideal that that Christian duty is to cultivate a dis- disposition of cheerfulness. Now, with the aid of reflections, insight, scriptural exegesis, um, and just I guess the words of Augustine, we can courageously face whatever discouraging circumstances come our way, guys. That is a fact. That's not just a nice idea. That is a reality. That is the lives of the saints. That is um, the mom who gave up her dream job, her dream lifestyle, to stay at home with her children, to love them, to teach them in the faith, to have patience with them and mercy with them. That is the dad that works so hard every day to the point of his hands cracking because um, he worked in bitter freezing weather and dealt with frozen pipes and ice and 
cuts and scrapes and bruises, but comes home with a joyful heart because he's happy to work and do for his family. That's, this is the story of history that has made the world a place where love can abide. The cheerfulness idea that regardless of discouragement, discourage is not the end. Love is the end. And cheerfulness is the beautiful fruit of love. And when we acquire the discipline of resisting the feeling of being depressed, we dispose ourselves to the frame of mind most conducive to passing on the faith. Fluent and cheerful words will become second nature to us from a place of abundance. For it is not so much like me that is saying these words but it's it's to you as it is love itself that says them to us all like the love that has been poured into our hearts by the holy spirit has been given to us it's already given to us guys through the discipline of cheerfulness we open the channels through which love flows and we make room for the holy spirit to fill our hearts and allow the holy spirit to speak through us jesus says in the gospel of matthew that out of abundance of the heart, like the mouth speaks. And Augustine both teaches this and shows it. Augustine allowed his heart to overflow with love and presents a winsome and cheerful exposition of how to pass on the faith. We are encouraged as Christians to embody this example, to give what we have, to pass on the faith, the tools to cultivate the field of our hearts, the field of others' hearts, so that we so that love can, can take root and bear fruit through the sanctifying and nurturing waters of a cheerful disposition. When we pass on the faith in this matter, then those whom we are teaching drink in the truth of our teachings with pleasure and are drawn more effectively toward the love of God and neighbor. So that's what I wanted to talk about today because it is so important in today's world and I hope I touched on something that you guys can relate with. Um, until next week, I will be praying for you, and I pray that God blesses you abundantly. Until then, God bless.